Well, good morning, friends. It's lovely to be with you here today, and we pray that as we join together around God's Word, we'll know His blessing. The only time I've been here before, I've never preached here before, but I have slept here in this building many years ago in the early 90s as a, as a camper, so it's lovely to be back with you uh, today. Well, friends, we're going to worship God. We're going to sing to His praise from Psalm 145. This is Sing Psalms Version, Psalm 145. And that's on page 189, if you're using the psalm books. Reading at the beginning of the psalm. For I will exalt you, O my God and King. Forever I will praise your holy name. I will extol your name forevermore. Day after day, your praise I will proclaim. We're going to stand to sing verses 1 to 11, if you're able. I will exalt you, O my God and King.
Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come and we seek to worship your great and your glorious name. You are King of kings, you are Lord of lords. You're the one who is high and lifted up, the one who even inhabits eternity. You're a God who in many ways is vast beyond all measure. But yet we praise you all the more this day that although you are such a great God, you are a God who can be known, a God who desires to be known, a God who even this day seeks to reveal himself to us in and through the word of truth. And as we come together for these few short moments, we acknowledge our need of you. We pray that your Holy Spirit might be pleased to come and to accompany this word as it is read and sung and preached, that we might have a distinct awareness that you are here in our midst, fulfilling that promise to your people and that where two or three gather in your name, you will be there. And so we pray that indeed our gathering would be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and none other, that your name would be high and lifted up, that you would even at this time be enthroned upon our hearts as we seek to bow down before you in praise and adoration for all that you are and all that you have done all that you are doing and all that you will do for the very fact that in you there is life and life eternal. And as we look around us in the world that we find ourselves in as we are reminded of conflict and pain at every turn, as we see uncertainty and despair each and every day as we are reminded of wars and rumours of wars. At times we can think that things are so out of control but yet we come and we pray that for all of us we would be still and know that you are God, that our times are in your hands, that you are the potter and we are the clay, that you know even the number of hairs upon our head so that although we look around us and we see such turmoil You are the God who is sovereign. But nonetheless, we pray for peace. We pray for peace in our world where we look upon wars in Israel and Gaza at this time that as we see man's inhumanity towards man rising up time and time again, that you would, O Lord, be pleased to intervene in a great way, that you would bring them to that place where they would see the futility of such uh, violence and such bloodshed. You are able, O Lord, we believe, for you are God of heaven and earth. But we come, O Lord, this day so aware of another warfare, perhaps even a greater warfare, and that is the warfare that we have within. As we find ourselves battling with the world, the flesh and the devil, 
as we find ourselves perhaps even here today strangers to grace and to God those who are unaware of their need of you O Lord that even today your Holy Spirit might come and speak to our dear unconverted friends so that they too would come and taste and see that God is good that they would know that peace that passes all understanding we pray for this dear congregation we give thanks for them for their witness here in North Keswick we pray O Lord that you would be with them and lead them and guide them that as they seek to reach out with the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that they would see much fruit for their labour that this building would be a building that would be filled with men and women, boys and girls with that longing in their hearts to see Jesus we give thanks for the young who are gathered here with us what an encouragement they are we pray for them, O Lord, in their young and tender years that your spirit would touch them so that they too would grow up knowing something of what it is to call you their father and their friend and that they might even be used mightily in gospel work in the years that lie ahead. We pray for Mr. Rennick and his family that you would be with them at this time also that you would lead them and guide them that you would strengthen them. We pray for the office bearers here in this congregation, that you would be with them during this time of vacancy, that you would grant them wisdom and clarity, and that indeed you would draw a man of your choosing to this place to minister the wonder of what it is, to know the freedom that is to be found in Jesus. And so be with us now as we seek to proclaim your truth. We are not worthy of any visitation of your presence. We acknowledge that, O Lord. But our gathering here is not founded upon any worthiness in ourselves, but rather in the one who cried out, It is finished. Go with us then, we pray, and forgive us for all our many sins. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, it's lovely to see and to hear some young folk here with us today. What a blessing. I've only got, I think, maybe four children in Graver and Park. It's lovely to have four, but it's even uh, nicer to have more. So we pray God's blessing upon you. And I want to just show you something today. You might have seen this before. How can we get to know Jesus through a sheet of paper? It's a strange question, isn't it? I want to show you because there are many different ways that we can, people think that we can get to know Jesus. And I want to show you one or two of them. Firstly, I wonder if you can tell me what this looks like. I don't know if you're accustomed to calling out. They call out in Graver, but if you're able to do that, you can, you can shout out. What do you think this is? Any ideas? What does it look like? Any voices? Down here. Any idea, boys? What does this look like? It's a house. We're all very shy today. It's a house. Now, some people might think, well, for me to know Jesus, I can build my life in a certain way with all kinds of different blocks or bricks so I can have a block of reading the Bible. If I read the Bible enough, God will be pleased. Or 
a block of prayer. If I pray really long prayers, God will be really happy with me. Or another one uh, of going coming to church, something else God will be really happy with. So we build up our own house and we think, well, if I do all of these things, God will be happy with me and I'll be a Christian. But all these things are good, absolutely, and keep doing them. But that's not how we get to know Jesus. Another one, now this is a, maybe a stranger one. I wonder what this looks like. Any idea? What's this look like? Yes, Bob? An aeroplane, absolutely. Good lad, this is a plane. Now, can we go to Dalcross, jump on a plane and fly to heaven? Can we get to know Jesus that way? Absolutely not. Of course we can't. That's a ridiculous thing to say. But it's not as ridiculous as you might think because in the Bible... There was a group of people who thought that they could build a tower so high that they could be as near to God as God himself. Imagine that. But of course we know we can't get to Jesus on a plane. But what we do know is that for all of us, everyone in here today, we need to know Jesus. Why? Because we live in a world that is broken and sinful. Our lives are torn just like this. And the only way that any of this can be fixed is not by building a house or going on a plane, but by coming to where? The cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only place that we will get to know Jesus. By coming to the cross and looking at him and what he's done. And not only looking at him, but believing in him as our Lord and our Saviour. So I pray that for all of us, young and old, we'll keep at the cross and we'll look upon Jesus. We're going to sing once more, friends, from Psalm 21. This is the Scottish Psalter version, Psalm 21. That's on page 225 if you're using the the psalm book. So you've got the words up on the screens. The King in thy great strength, O Lord, shall very joyful be. In thy salvation rejoice, how vehemently shall he. Thou hast bestowed upon him all that his heart would have, and thou from him didst not withhold whate'er his lips did crave. We're going to stand to sing verses uh, 1 to 5, if you're able, to the praise of God, the King in thy great strength, O Lord.
Well, friends, we're going to turn now to read God's Word from Acts, chapter 3. It's chapter 6. I think I've given possibly the wrong reading. That's my fault, not those who are doing the slides. So apologies for that. It's Acts, chapter 3. Our text is verse 6, so that's possibly uh, where the confusion came in on my part. Acts, chapter 3. Let us hear the word of God. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, And the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise you up, will raise up for you rather a prophet like me from your brothers. 
You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Amen. We pray God's blessing on that reading of his own holy word. Friends, before we come back and consider that passage together, we're going to sing again. We're going to sing from Psalm 19, the Scottish Psalter version, Psalm 19 at verse 7. God's law is perfect and converts the soul in sin that lies. God's testimony is most sure and makes the simple wise. We'll stand to sing verses 7 to 11 to the praise of God. Perfect.
Hello friends, for a short time, let's turn back together to the chapter we read, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We can take our text today from the words that we have in verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Friends, we come here today as individuals. We come here with all of our own hopes and aspirations in life. Perhaps all of our concerns and trials and tribulations in life. But what I'd like to do is to begin by asking you a question. What is it that you aspire to in life more than anything at all at this precise moment in time? What is it that you think you need in order to make your life better? If there was anything in the world that you could have that would improve upon your life, what would it be? It's an interesting question. It's a relevant question. And it's a relevant question because sometimes the answer that we give to that question is so way off the mark. And that's what we see before us here in our text today. Because today we meet, friends, someone who has a need. We meet a man who has a need and he thinks he knows what the... the Uh, what he needs to have that need met. He thinks he knows what it is that needs to happen for his life to be better. And what I'd like us to do is just to look at verses 1 to 10 and and consider uh, what we have before us under three simple headings. Firstly, we're going to set the scene. We're going to look at the background as to what exactly is happening here. And then secondly, we're going to think about the wonderful miracle or the sign. We'll call it the sign that's shown here. And thirdly and lastly, we're going to look at the sermon that this man then goes on to preach by way of his actions. The scene, the sign, and the sermon. Let's look at the scene then in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now here we have Peter and John, two of the disciples. Now Peter and John were often found together. They were of course disciples together, we know that to be true. But it's also thought that they were previously, before being disciples, that they had worked together in a a business as fishermen. We read of that in in Luke chapter 5. And together they've been entrusted to do various things. We see an example of that in the preparation of the Passover. They had been entrusted to, to, to get that in place. They too, the two of them on their own, they were the, the ones that followed Jesus to the high priest's house after the arrest of Jesus. And they were also the first two disciples to visit the tomb after the resurrection. And so they were often together. They were brothers in the Lord, but they were also friends. And here what we see is them traveling and ministering together. 
And so here they are on the ninth hour. They're going up to the temple to worship. Now according to the Jewish clock, they started counting the hours of the day, probably from about sunrise, from from 6 uh, a.m. So the hour that we have before us here would probably have been around 3 in the afternoon. Psalm 55 speaks of the three hours of prayer. Just as a side note, people would go to to worship God in the morning at 9, and that was the the third hour. Uh, And then we would have midday as the sixth hour, and 3 in the afternoon would be the ninth hour. But the ninth hour was, was different because this would also be the time of the evening sacrifice, the time where the temple crowds would, if you like, be at their peak. There would be hordes of people gathering together to worship God. And so it's at this very point that Peter and John are on their way to the temple that they have this encounter. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate. Incidentally, it was called the Beautiful Gate because it was a beautiful gate. It was an ornate structure. It was made of Corinthian brass, and I believe it took about 20 men to close this gate. It was such a a feature of the temple. And so here we have this man sitting at the gate, a man who's who's paralysed, a man who cannot walk, a man who no doubt because of his infirmity he would have been an outcast in society. He would have been shunned. He would have been one who, who no one wanted anything to do with simply because of the culture of the day. And why is he at the gate? Well, is he coming to worship the Lord? Is he there to, to, to praise God? Well, we, we don't know that. But what we do know is that he comes to ask alms of those entering the temple. Alms is basically food and and money. And so what we see here is, is a man who is essentially unable to earn a living and a man who is forced to beg. That's why we find him here at the temple gate. And of course there's nothing new under the sun. We go to cities. I don't know if you have that so much in Inverness, but certainly in other cities in Scotland, you see people the side of the street, sadly, who are forced to, to do this, who are forced to, to put out their hands seeking food and, and money. Now, at this time in Palestine, beggars, they, they favoured three different locations as their spot for, for begging. The first was the house, houses of the rich, And so they would sit outside the houses of the rich, hoping that as the the rich people went into their homes, they would feel sorry for them and they would give them money. The second were the main highways, the the paths that would have had high footfall, lots of people on them each and every day, and they would sit there and they would beg for money. And then the third was here at the temple. Now the temple for them was the best site. And there was a good reason for this, because not only were there huge crowds to be found at the temple every day, but the fact was that amongst these crowds, there were many who came to to worship God with their piety, and one way to worship God was to give alms or money or food to the poor. And the beggars knew this. They knew this, and understandably they sought to take full 
advantage of it. This man was no different. His daily routine would lead him, and it's, it's quite telling when we see that he's depending on others, he's taken there. This, this shows something of the kind of life that this man had, constantly from birth, constantly dependent on others, even for the most simplest of tasks. Here he is, he's, he's taken to the gate, they're carrying him to this particular spot, and here he is, each and every day, hopeful that his basic needs, the need that he thought was his greatest, would be met. And that's when Peter and John come on the scene in verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now let's be honest, friends. How many of us have seen folk like this at the side of the street, perhaps in a city, and we've walked on by. I know I have. Perhaps we're suspicious. We don't know what they're really going to do with the money. And so we don't always commit, perhaps as we ought to, and we walk on by. And so it's interesting to see what Peter and John will do. These disciples of Jesus, these men of God, what do they do? How do they respond to this man? Well, this brings us to our second point, the sign that is performed. Because this man, he he thought that what he really needed was money. If he had money, he would be able to buy food, he could feed himself, he could live. And in one sense, yes, this was his immediate need. However, he had a far deeper need. There was a root problem that, that if dealt with, could help him far more than any money could. A a root problem that that no doubt this man thought was completely impossible for it ever to be dealt with. So much so that maybe it never even entered his head that this was a possibility. What was the problem? Well, the problem was the fact that he couldn't walk in the first place. The fact that he wasn't able to earn a living for himself. If he could walk... He could work. If he could work, his days of depending on others would be over. And so as he sits at the gate, strategically placed to to ask for alms of worshippers, just like Peter and John, they pass by and they do respond. Verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. Look at us. Now this is significant. This is significant because beggars would never ever look at those they were asking alms of. It just didn't happen. It wasn't etiquette for beggars to do that. They would look to the ground and they would never ever make eye contact with those who they were asking to help them. But yet here Peter and John are saying, look at us. They're pointedly wanting this man's eyes to meet with their eyes. Why was this? Could it be? Could it be that that these two men actually cared for this man as an individual? That they weren't just going to give him some money to salve their conscience and walk on by? Were they interested in him as an individual? That they actually wanted to see the pain in his eyes? Verse 5, and he fixed his attention on them. Expecting to receive something from them. 
But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. You can almost hear this man's heart sink. I have no silver and gold. Okay, you're asking me to look at you. But what I really need is silver and gold. What could these men possibly have that would be better than silver and gold? Now, there's a real lesson for us here, isn't there? Because how often, especially for Christians here today, how often do we come to the Lord and perhaps we're praying for something. Perhaps at the minute in your life you're praying for something quite urgent, important, and you've come up with a solution in your own mind. So if this one thing happens, all will be well. You've got the solution and all you want to do maybe is for God to, to rubber stamp it and to make it happen. We, we do that. That's, that's the way we are. We do pray about things, but we, we know sometimes the way we would like things to turn out. But isn't it also true in our experience, friends, that sometimes God says no. He says no. But yet in his saying no, in his own time, in his own way, he also follows the no with a but. But I have something else for you. That's what we see here, Peter's saying. I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give to you. Something far better. Something far better for you as part of that bigger picture of your life. And isn't it wonderful, friends, today that the Lord knows the bigger picture. We're so concerned at times about the minutiae of the detail. But he knows the big picture. And if you're struggling today with how things are playing out in your life, the detail that perhaps you didn't expect to to, uh, pan out in the way that it is, just remember that word, but. But what I do have, I give to you. This man thought he knew what he needed. But God had other plans. And then it happened. The other plans were revealed. So th- this, this man very quickly, just like that, he, 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 he realized in the most miraculous of ways that, that silver and gold would never deal with the root of his problem. That something far greater needed to happen. That something far greater could actually happen. And that something far greater did actually happen. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Never did this man imagine in his wildest dreams that he would be able to rise up and walk. And yet it was so. So that supposing Peter had given this man all the money in the world, he would still be lame and his greatest physical problem would still be there. But that's not what God was going to do through Peter. He wasn't going to give Peter a a few pennies to, to plaster over his problem. He wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to intermittently ease this situation until the next time that that this man would have to go on and beg some more. No, that's not what he was going to do. Because in Peter, God, through Peter rather, God was able to offer something far more life-changing. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
Peter was able to, to offer this man what he had never had before. And that was freedom. Freedom. And that's what Jesus does. He offers freedom. Now of course, and we need to caveat this and be careful, he doesn't always choose to heal people of their physical ailments. That's, that's fact. But he does promise, if we wanted to heal us, in a far deeper way. And we see that here. Because in this story, in this encounter that we have before us, what we see is this whole narrative pointing to a far greater truth. Because essentially this story points us to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in this man, friends, in this man, we have a picture of all of us. By nature, here we are. I'm not saying this to be offensive, it's just reality. By nature we are all spiritually lame. And and what I mean by that is, we cannot walk in the way, on that path that leads to eternal life. We can't do that in our own strength. We're spiritually lame. And so we find ourselves begging. We find ourselves desperately begging. Maybe this is even you here today, I don't know. Desperately begging that this world will give to us all that we need. Looking for silver or gold or other possessions or people or experiences to be our own personal Messiah. And yet time and time again, we're left looking for more. But not with Jesus the great physician, because in him, friends, and this is the good news, because in him, when we come to know him as our father, our friend, and our saviour, we know of that joy unspeakable. This is what the Bible says. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's something that you would like today. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not meaning that we go around with a smile on our face all the time. It's something far deeper than that. A joy within the very core of our being. A joy that enables us to see why we are here and whom it is we are here to serve. A joy that enables us not only to know about him, but to know him personally as our Lord and our Saviour. And we see something of this joy with this man, which briefly brings us to our final point, the sermon that is preached from his actions. Turn to verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple, walking and leaping. What a transformation. God had, as he often does, God had given to this man exceedingly abundantly that above that which he could ask or even think. As this man takes to his feet for the first time, we can read these stories and we don't really uh, focus in on these little details, but bear in mind, this was the first time he'd ever put one foot in front of the other. This was life-changing for this man. This, man, this man's life was be about to take a turn that it had never taken before. For him, as I said before, he was now free. He was now free. But you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's good. But what about the gospel? What about his heart? What about the even deeper 
problem. And we might feel sorry for this man as he serves as an illustration of the gospel, yet maybe he himself remains unchanged by it, that his physical needs are met, but not his spiritual. But I wouldn't be so sure about that. Because let's just look at what we read. Leaping up, this is the posture of thanksgiving. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter, that's the first place he goes, entered the temple with them, walking and leaping. We can all come to a place of worship, that is true. He comes and he enters the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. That's the difference. That's the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. You might be here today and you're not a Christian. And you come and you listen and maybe you like what you hear and you sing and you take part. But yet in your heart you're not praising God. In your life you're not praising God. This man is praising God. So much so that all the people saw him walking and praising God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ this man is saying. Let's think about this just for a minute. How many of us, and I stopped with myself before I was a Christian, how many of us have, have made deals with God? We've prayed for him to help us. We perhaps especially saw this in our nation at the time of COVID. We prayed, we prayed to God and we, we, we asked God to help us, to deliver us out of a certain situation. And then we make a promise. If you do this, I'll do that. If you help me, I will start coming to church more, I'll start reading more, I'll start praying more. Whatever it is, we we bargain with God. And then, oftentimes, if we're being honest, maybe that prayer is answered according to how we want it to be answered, or even, even better. And then what happens? Our side of the bargain, as it were, it kind of fades away. It fades away so that we we get on with life. And as we get on with life, we do so forgetting the God who has answered our prayer in the first place. That's common. We've all been there. But that's not what we see with this man. His response to God's goodness is one of immediate praise and worship. Yes, God has touched his life physically. But he shows also that his even greater need has been met, his need of a saviour, in that that God has touched his life spiritually. can Can I plead with you friends today, if you're not a Christian, make sure that your spiritual needs are at the forefront of your priorities. We're all very good at going to the doctor and trying to to be made well and that's good and right and proper and we give thanks that we have people who are gifted to help us in that way but what about your soul what about your never dying soul time is short so short that's a fact for all of us eternity is never ending in many ways if you'll excuse the saying it's a no brainer Why on earth would we not want to to make provision for our soul here in time? This man, provision has been made and praise follows. He comes and he praises God in a way that, that everyone else around him notices. 
We read all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they see the transformation. Yes, that he can walk, but also they're filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What a witness. I was rebuked as I was studying this at the witness of this man. What a sermon is preached by his actions. A a response to God's goodness that causes others to be filled with wonder and amazement. And what an example for all of us here today. You know, we have so much, do we not, to to praise God for, to, to adore him for, to worship him for. Not least the, the glorious reality that he, he's died so that we might live. That, that his sacrificial act of love has, has torn down that middle wall of separation between us and God. So that we can now be in a living relationship with him. Isn't that wonderful? God and you and me as one. That's cause for joy and celebration as I alluded to in prayer as we look around the world we live in. If we're the Lord's today, our mandate is to have the joy of the Lord as our strength. Because, friends, we have nothing else. Nothing else. So there you have it. The scene, the sign, and the sermon. But my parting question with you today is this. Where are you sitting? Where are you sitting today? Are you outside this gate? Or are you within the kingdom? Are you outside the gate of the kingdom? Or are you within the kingdom? I don't know many of you here today. But it could be that you're in your twilight years and you might think that the gospel is beyond your grasp. You continue to sit at the gate beautiful And you may think that you will never ever find yourself on the other side of that gate as you watch others entering through it with that spirit of worship and praise and yet you're still there at the gate begging. Yet it need not be so. Because unconverted friend, as you sit at the gate today on the outskirts of the kingdom of God, I plead with you. I plead with you not only to look to him as this beggar looked to to Peter and John, But to cry out, cry out for healing so that you too can hear the voice of Jesus saying to you personally, I have no silver or gold, but what I have to you, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, arise and walk. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for your word for your grace, for your love, for your mercy. That you've not left us to ourselves in the turmoil of this world, but rather you've given unto us in and through Jesus that new and that living way. But yet as we find ourselves here in time, we pray, O Lord, that as your people, we would have that desire to serve to serve and to share the good news of the gospel. Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? That our heart's desire would be to see souls saved. And if we aren't saved here today, while there is time, we would see that once again Jesus of Nazareth 
has passed by in the gospel and that we would come to him and cry out to him with open hands and an open heart. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Be with us, we pray, in our final singing. Be with our dear brother as he leads us, we ask. And forgive us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, friends, we're going to conclude singing to God's praise. Psalm 16. Psalm 16. This is a Sing Psalms version. I'll praise the God, I'll praise the Lord my God, whose counsel guides my choice. And even in the night, my heart recalls instructions voice. Down to verse 11. You have made known to me the path of life divine. Bliss shall I know at your right hand. Joy from your face will shine. That's a path that can be ours when we arise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's stand to sing if we're able. I'll praise the Lord my God. close with a benediction. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest on and abide with you now